Hello and welcome to the Armenian News Network Grung Week in Review. This show was recorded on Monday, March 28, 2022. I'm and this week Hovik Manucharyan and I are going to talk about the following major topics. This past week, Azerbaijan invaded a village in Artsakh's Askeran region, killing two and injuring 14 servicemen of the Artsakh Defense Forces. After three weeks, Azerbaijan is still preventing Artsakh from receiving natural gas during an especially cold part of the season. What do they want? And finally, we'll talk about the Azeri five-point proposal for a peace plan and the Armenian response to it. To talk about these issues, we have with us Varujan Geramian, who is an assistant professor at Yerevan State University and teaches on Turkey's modern history and the history of Azerbaijan. Hello, Varujan. Great to have you back. Hello, Varujan. Thank you. Hello, and thank you for having me. Let's begin by looking at the top of the news last week. Uh, we, we did already cover the issue of gas in Artsakh. Despite it being restored for less than three days over the last weekend, it was turned off. And um, this week's problems only overshadowed last week's. And what happened is the Azerbaijani uh, armed forces, again, breaking the November 2020 uh, declaration, uh, advanced into areas controlled by the Russian peacekeepers in Askeran, uh, in Artsakh. Uh, the enemy uh, notably used Bayraktar drones and heavy artillery uh, in an attack that killed uh, three people and injured over 14 Armenians. Azerbaijani forces also are reported to have taken the village of Paruch and also partly occupied a nearby strategic height called Paragaluch. Women and children have been evacuated from the nearby village of Kharamort, who's previously reported that this village, Kharamort, uh, has been the object of continuous harassment by Azerbaijan uh, since at least a month, and they have been threatening daily uh, with, you know, through loudspeakers uh, that Armenians should either leave or accept Azerbaijani rule. Uh, they've been broadcasting Islamic prayers multiple times a day. And of course, there was also even actual fighting uh, using mortars, um, which was uh, an escalation from before. So amidst all of this, what is Armenia's response? Some strong statements may have been made, right? Well, in actuality, Armenian officials said that in, uh, this is an area of Russian responsibility and asked peacekeepers to demand rectification. In fact, even last week, Pashinyan said that he would sort of refrain from making comments on this. Meanwhile, Andrei Kocharyan, head of the Defense and Security Committee in the Armenian parliament, said that we should learn to live even with the gas turned off. Well, thankfully, I, you know, he visits Artsakh probably every day or once a week at least, right? So he can tell the Artsakh sees that himself, who are freezing. In reality, we know that not many Armenian officials visit Artsakh nowadays. So the, the reaction from this uh, weekend's escalation was the U.S. State Department uh, has expressed deep concern uh, about the Azerba- Azerbaijani troop movements. Both Russia and France have demanded Azerbaijan return to previous positions. And as of late Sunday, March 27, the Russian peacekeepers reported that Azerbaijani forces have withdrawn from Paruk village. But Armenian sources report that the strategic height of Karagaluk is still partially occupied. Meanwhile, the Azerbaijani MOD denied that they had withdrawn, essentially accusing the Russians of lying, also ruled out uh, such a move in the future. And they also accused Russia of violating the Declaration on Allied Relations signed by the presidents of both countries uh, in February this year. Mm-hmm. Varujan, after that long introduction, let me ask you my question. Artsakh uh, President Alek Harutsunyan applied to Putin to increase the number of peacekeepers in order to assure the safety of Artsakh citizens. 
So can you tell us more about, uh, actually, maybe be from the beginning, uh, how this incident originated, if I missed anything? And do you think this appeal to Putin will help in any way? Well, the uh, escalation which happened is not um, something really surprising. Uh, while we should understand why uh, Azerbaijan is doing or acting so. Mm, there are two um, like basic reasons behind it this kind of uh, activities by Azerbaijan side. The first one is uh, they use every opportunity, every single opportunity to uh, dearmonize Karabakh. I mean, the activities which you already listed uh, the, uh, the, with this like uh, switching on this music by loudspeakers or constantly um, applying to our Armenian village, uh, villagers saying that you should leave, otherwise you're going to be killed or something like that, is uh, are parts of the same, um, let's say, um, project, which is to uh, use every opportunity to de-Armenize uh, Karabakh. I mean, to make Armenians um, leave Karabakh and uh, make them, I mean, believe that it, there is no opportunity to live there, even with Russian peacekeepers. So this is the first and main aim, and Azerbaijan is going to use every opportunity, even after all this, to make this happen. And we can add to this um, project, so-called, or to this aim, uh, also uh, their, let's say, gas politics, if we call it the, the way, this way. Um, they cut the gas pipeline, which was, I mean, very, uh, again, not, not surprising at all, because everybody who knows the geography and the infrastructural map of, of Artsakh and what remained of Artsakh, uh, I mean, it was just a matter of time when they are going to do this. Uh, I even can predict that uh, the next is going to be uh, water supply and electricity supply from the Republic of Armenia to Artsakh. So um, the second second uh, main, uh, let's say, aim is to cut fully uh, Artsakh from Republic of Armenia. And this means at this stage, uh, first of all, uh, changing the infrastructural supply of uh, Republic of Artsakh because during this 20 something years, uh, uh, all the communication uh, and all the infrastructure, critical infrastructure for Artsakh was being um, connected, linked to the Republic of Armenia from electricity to internet, from gas to water supply. And now we're seeing that Azerbaijan is trying to cut this infrastructure, which means that Artsakh is going to use the infrastructure of the Republic of Azerbaijan, which means that you are again integrated into Azerbaijan, one more step uh, forward to be integrated into Azerbaijan, which is the aim of Azerbaijan, actually. And imagine if you have an opportunity not only use the hard power or just to cut the gas pipeline and say, you know, you have no opportunity to use it and you are going to use mine, my uh, gas pipeline, pipeline, which I'm gonna like uh, construct from uh, occupied Agadam city to Stepanakir, but also you are using soft power, saying that you know if you are gonna use like other cell internet or uh, my own telecommunication, I'm gonna give you discounts for five years. Okay, so I mean this, I'm, all the all the instruments of the hard power and soft power, they are gonna use to make Artsakh be 
more integrated into the Republic of Azerbaijan rather than into the Republic of Armenia. Right. So these are the two main ideas behind these activities. But of course, out of this, this is a more more long-term, mid-term or long-term goal. But out of this, of course, uh, another another major uh, goal for Azerbaijan is to use again every opportunity to occupy new territory which is like for them is the most natural thing to do uh, because they see the Karabakh as a part of their country, as a part of their state. And they know that the, if there is an opportunity to even like, take one, uh, you know, hill or one small road, that then definitely they are going to. And uh, here, of course, one of the main tools is to um, make uh, Russia's, uh, Russia to take out Armenian uh, forces out of the their trenches, out of their positions, uh, using again, by, by, by all means, it could be diplomacy, like, like in this case, that let's like take out uh, both sides from the front line, and then we're not gonna fight anymore or fire anymore. When you are taking Armenians, Azerbaijanis are not going out, but rather they are taking the positions of Armenia. This is actually what the infamous approach by the Prime Minister of Armenia, that the mirror withdrawal of the forces. This is actually what it, lo it will look like if it is going to be used in Yeras or in Sisunik, in, in Davush or any place. Azerbaijanis are not going to be out, but rather they are going to take the positions that they, uh, the Armenians have left. So, Varujan, some media had reported that this whole ordeal originated because the Armenian side and the Azerbaijani side with Russian mediation had negotiated to have that mirrored withdrawal that you're mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. But then, apparently, Armenians withdrew too much and the Russians didn't, weren't able to sort of, you know, cover that area first. So Azerbaijanis essentially seized the opportunity. Is, so is yeah. that an accurate description of what happened? Uh, you know that the situation is very, I mean, uh, tough and we have a lot of information and misinformation and propaganda and other, other stuff. So what I can say based on uh, my own like uh, open sources and uh, the logic and what I've, I mean, what I've been um, told by uh, especially uh, Artsakh officials, the core of what happened is the following. Azerbaijan was using uh, artillery and firing the villages around this place, this Haramort village and, and Farok village, for not, not only these days, but also like two weeks, three weeks ago, intensively firing, if you remember. And then Russia's, um, Russia tried to mediate, saying that, I mean, if we can like withdraw forces from both sides and then I mean, it will make a peace. Both sides said yes. And naturally, Azerbaijan uh, violated what they agreed initially, saying that, uh, and uh, referring to the fact that, you know, as there are Armenian forces there, then it means that you are violating the declaration from the 9th of November 2020. So we see that this is a dev, uh, like direct violation. It means that we can violate as well. So we're going to take this part of and Karab. So, I mean, this is a, very much like the, you know, um, a fight between uh, school guys. Uh, I mean, very minor and very basic things and arguments, but still it works because the, the main factor, Russian peacekeepers are incapable of opening fire. They have no mandate on this. They have no right to open a fire unless 
they have a they are a direct target of any firing so they can't uh, fire azerbaijanis when they are violating the agreement uh, of course verbal agreement and taking the power right. for karakalli So this is the, this is actually what happened. So is their mandate unclear, Varujan, or is their mandate exactly what is their mandate? To be to be honest, Russian peacekeepers haven't uh, get any official paper from Azerbaijan till now. If you know, mm-hmm. if you remember, actually, because you know that this is a part of another Azerbaijani negotiation with Russians, taking some again concessions to give official mandate to be in the territory of the Republic of Azerbaijan officially. So what we have I mean we have only one paper which is the two pages uh, declaration from 9th of November where mm-hmm, there is right. no option about the Rus- Russian peacekeepers function on what they do can do what they can't do so i mean this is a place for uh, gaming negotiation and of course Azerbaijan and Turkey are using every opportunity to say you know guys we haven't yet uh, decided what you have to do and of course The timing is also very important. Yes. The timing is uh, chosen perfectly mm, from the uh, side of Azerbaijan and Turkey knowing that for Russia there are like higher prior- priorities right now and so we can do a bit more than we can we usually did, okay? So if we have an opportunity to take this village and then start the negotiation rather than vice versa start negotiation and then take the village of course we are going to prefer the first option yes in fact most recently azerbaijani media has been adding reminder paragraphs mm-hmm. that the russian peacekeepers yeah. are in azerbaijan for yeah. a limited yeah. term only so i i mean having all this coming to the first question uh hovik um whether it is right or not to apply to the russian president i think that i mean now uh, uh, armenian side and uh, here i i'm mentioning uh, first of all the cards of armenian government uh, not unfortunately the republic of armenia because the republic of armenia is i mean fully out of the process unfortunately only like giving some declarations like france or any other third party not the armenian side um w- i mean we should use every armenian side should use every single uh, way to reach out to russians making them uh, understand again i mean not understand actually but stressing the fact that azerbaijan is not gonna you know uh, live in peace and some more additional options of um, protection of the armenian population there should be created somehow constructed so i think this is right of course it will not give a new things but still it is one of the ways to reach out to russia the response from russia was uncharacteristically blunt in his daily bulletin describing the incidents the russian side blamed the azerbaijani side for the initiation of the aggression and appealed to withdraw the troops to their starting positions uh, varuzhan we've seen world powers you know express deep concern you know be worried about our what's going on and etc etc but In your opinion is Russia's current response different this time in both in terms of severity uh, and potential sort of repercussions for the for Azerbaijan and why Yeah that's a, it's a very good question Alec I think that the, the the game if we can name this all this stuff a game the game between uh, Russia uh, Azerbaijan and Turkey the, it is taking place within very narrow square for maneuvers 
and there are many red red uh, lines whenever you turn a bit uh, left or right. And this, I mean, Azerbaijan and Turkey are very well aware of these red lines, very mm -hmm. well aware that for Russia, the South Caucasus is a of critical importance, that the Nagorno-Karabakh is an, another major point of, let's say, influence, military influence over all of the region, not only the Karabakh. If you, as you can uh, clearly understand, Karabakh is not uh, something uh, really important for, for Russia uh, from the perspective of just the land, but rather it's a focal point for uh, having influence over all the South Caucasus and more having the geography of the region. Um, so uh, well, both Turkey and Azerbaijan knows this, and they know that the red lines are there. So we can't violate these red lines, but we can be very, very, very close to it. And somehow we can make uh, these red lines to be a bit moved, a bit moved. I mean, not uh, changing them, but rather, I mean, making some minor corrections. And what we are seeing in Haramort or in Karagaluk, it is this kind of attempts. Because you see, they, when, when there, there is a noise about violation in the territory, which is under the responsibility of Russian peacekeepers, and there is a huge uh, I mean, noise, which was uh, created not only in Armenia, but also in Russia, from the nationalistic, especially groups and circles, Russia should react. Otherwise, you are going to have the same problems in Abkhazia, in Ossetia, in Moldavia, in Kazakhstan, in Kyrgyzstan, and many other places where there are Russian forces, in Syria, etc. Because if you are showing that, you know, like Ukraine take all, our, all of our resources and we can really work on other directions, then it, it's, a, it's a green light for uh, all other like, enemies and rivals of Russia to take their actions because it is a clear sign that Russia is incapable of doing what it should do in other regions as, uh, uh, at, at this moment. So both of Baku and Ankara, they are making the maximum, taking maximum from the situation. And of course, I, I think that the last attempt was quite a um, violation of the red red line and in both in both the um, uh, capitals in baku and ankara they are right now trying to understand what how they can change the the situation in their favor because they somehow understood that this is the moment when they should stop at least for a while okay so but that this doesn't mean that they are not gonna try again i mean uh, just vice versa they're definitely gonna do that uh, again, when they see an opportunity, especially if uh, uh, in Ukraine, Russia uh, will have uh, like major defeats or loses or uh, anything which is not in favor of Russia, uh, because it is highly con interconnected yeah. to each other. So mm, in this case, I see uh, that the last uh, announcement by the Russian Ministry of Defense was uh, kind of a good message not to Armenians actually because Armenia unfortunately is not a geopolitical factor anymore but rather to Baku and to Ankara that guys this is enough I mean I, I understand what you do but this is it so uh Varjan, I just want to underscore for our listeners when you say that Armenia is no longer a geopolitical factor yeah isn't there some agency Armenia has some choice that it's it's will but but it's essentially choosing not to be a factor uh, I've always thought to myself, why can't Armenia 
make the cost of uh, Azerbaijan and Turkey's incursions a little bit uh, higher. Uh, for instance, um, uh, you know, uh, could it message to Turkey that uh, you know any further action by Azerbaijan could harm the normalization process? Uh, especially since Turkey every day announces that all of their actions are coordinated with Azerbaijan, meaning that the firing on Karamort, in my opinion, at least as a re regular reader, is also coordinated between Turkey and Azerbaijan. What agency, what real agency does Armenia have to gain any leverage out of this? When I'm saying that there, are, there is no, I mean, Armenia is not anymore a geopolitical factor. I mean, first of all, the fact that the current leadership of Armenia refuses to be a geopolitical factor. And the very idea of this um, crazy idea about the, being an Armenian crossroads, for example, is just another you know, manifestation of this uh, approach that, guys, we are ready to give our territory to all the sides. I mean, take it and use it however you want, okay? And um, this is, I'm serious. I mean, this has nothing to do with the geopolitics and it, this means that um, you are not ready to act as a strong side uh, in whatever, I mean, format you have. And uh, I mean, if we add to this also this, again, the crazy uh, idea about uh, mirror withdrawal from the all the front line and saying that, you know, we call the European countries and MISC uh, group co-chairs to come and to bring their forces and to make between Armenia, I mean, between uh, Armenian, Armenia and Azerbaijan to put these forces, it means that you are granting the your main uh, duty as a state uh, to keep the borders and to guarantee the security of population, you grant it to others, no matter they are allies or they are just neutral countries, but you are not fulfilling the main uh, uh, duty of any- the purpose of government. Know, that's the purpose of government, yeah. The, 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 you are some, Somehow you are uh, breaking the civil contract. Uh, how uh, how uh, ironic uh, this uh, <laughs> is. I, uh, what I hear you're saying, Varujan, is that they have options and possibilities, but they're just not willing to take it or they don't there know. There are plenty of. Yeah, yeah. and they yeah. have no clue about how to proceed. Yeah, yeah. We have, even even in, during this, this program, we have uh, talked several times about some opportunities. Yes, yes. Uh, and there are still there are opportunities, but uh, they, they uh, and Armenia can be again the geopolitical factor, even in this situation after the capitulation, after the, the, the uh, defeat in World 2020. But Armenia's government officially refuses from uh, being a uh, geopolitical actor. And here we should like ask two uh, questions which are not rhetoric. Why so, okay? And if um, they, whether they don't really want, or they are made to uh, refuse from this, being again a geopolitical factor. And both of these questions, uh, they the, the have the same answer. Uh, yes, they don't want, first of all, because personally, if you take the rhetoric of these people, their uh, mindset, their worldview, their approaches from their the early beginning of their political career up to today, they are those who are, I mean, you have no political thinking in the sense that it will help to make Armenia <laughs> great again, okay? Right. And the second thing is that uh, after the capitulation, if before that they have they had to 
use the you know the discourse the main general discourse in armenia which was pro-armenian in many senses saying that we should keep Artsakh, we should keep our borders we should be i mean uh, very strong against turkish and azerbaijani aggression and the political elite of that time was trying to somehow use this discourse in their favor after the 2020, they are start. They started to change the discourse, saying that Armenia is a weak country. It has no resources to re resist. Uh, we should be, I mean, good friends of Turkey and Azerbaijan, not to make a noise. So that will that that way we'll have a peace. So the peace, which was the main concept for exactly uh, for for this current government, is not a peace uh, which should be created between equal partners, but rather another capitulation saying that if i not to make a noise if i don't disturb these people then definitely they are not gonna take uh, any way like uh, beat me or uh, make me uh, i don't know fulfill their uh, wishes but which is actually in reality is again the opposite uh, we have a situation when every new concession is bringing a new concession and you are losing the strategic depth to resist, which is very important. Yeah, that's right. A lot of what's happening also is happening within the global context of the, obviously the crisis in Ukraine. And a lot, yeah. what I saw on Twitter was very interesting. A lot of pro-American and anti-Russian commentators uh, started blaming Russia um, as well, like for um, um, essentially basically sort of having a side deal with Azerbaijan and trying to kick Armenians out of Artsakh. I don't want to go into conspiracy theory ter territory, but do you think that there is some underhanded attempt to make the Russians fail and look bad, uh, including even from the Armenian side? Yeah, definitely. The short answer is, of course, there, there are attempts to <clears throat> uh, devaluate the role of Russian peacekeepers, which are actually the main currently the main guarantor of the security, not only of Artsakh, uh, or what remained of Artsakh, but of course of, of uh, Sunik as well. And um, all the attempts to somehow the, to uh, change the image of these Russian peacekeepers and all in general of Russia in the region is of course, I mean, highly uh, connected with this West Russia confrontation. And unfortunately there are a, a part, I mean, people in the Armenian uh, political elite, which are in favor of this approach. And this is not a new thing. I mean, there are many anti-Russian people uh, who are currently part of the government, uh, who are currently members of parliament and i mean they are not even trying to you know uh keep uh, silent their motivation i mean they are very openly pro-western and pro-american and i mean i'm not even trying to judge this uh this approach but i, I can say only one thing that uh for for west it, they don't really care about uh, arts or about tuning the only thing they really care is to take out russia from the south Caucasus, and for uh, of course the the in their understanding uh, south Caucasus should be a zone of or sphere of influence actually of west with the moderator uh, turkey 
because Turkey is the only ally of, of a strong ally of, of West in the region, no matter all their, I mean, you know, tensions between Turkey and NATO, between Turkey and America, still it's a part of Western world it's a part of uh, it's an operator or it's an intermediator of west in the region and of course if russia is out from the south caucasus then the uh, this vacuum of uh, great power should be filled and of course turkey is the main power who is going to uh, fill this this vacuum so uh, in case of uh, in case of turkey being the main um, as a policeman in the region and the main great great power in the region, I hardly imagine that uh, the Armenian state has any perspective of uh, surviving because, I mean, openly both Azerbaijan and Turkey are openly on the level of their highest uh, military political elite. They're saying that the a strong Armenian state is um, should be out of the region. Uh, Armenia should, shouldn't have even army. Armenia shouldn't try to be any, uh, any uh, in any sense, a um, geopolitical factor. And the only thing which Armenia should be is kind of a territory with economic and social, you know, organization, which is kind of a sub-region of Turkey. So, um, I mean, with all having all this in mind, I mean, seeing this in 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 an act. Uh, it, it it is very hard for me to understand the motivation of any Armenian, especially uh, decision making Armenian from the current elite, who says that you know we don't really need not Russia. We should take it out and bring West, which is not going to deploy any forces here, as you see in the Ukraine again, as you have seen in Afghanistan and many other places in Georgia, but rather it can say like. Uh, that we are strong, we are standing strong with you, fight again, etc., etc. But the real aim of the support, Slava Armenia, Slava Armenia, yeah, <laughs> uh, is to take uh, to take out Russia from here. And here, I can't really. I, I mean, I I'm trying to say very neutrally that uh, this is insane, and uh, <laughs> there is no logic behind. If you are you are an Armenian and you are um, advocating for. Russia to be out. But here I should say also for your listeners not, not to make uh, um, uh, uh, wrong um, impression, sorry. It is that um, I'm, I'm not I'm advocating for uh, Russia here. But one thing I, I mean, firmly know as being a historian, a person who uh, I mean, researches this, the history of this region, that out of three major geopolitical forces which are fighting, competing for this region, uh, Russia, Turkey, and Iran. There is one which is clearly uh, in no, at no cost is for, for an Armenian state. And it is against an Armenian presence, political presence in this region. This is Turkey. And this is openly being said. And this is a not, not new thing. Okay, and other two uh, forces, Russia and Iran, is having a competition with Turkey. They are in favor of an Armenian state here because it's a main tool for the competition against Turkey. I mean, they are not supporting Armenia because they like our beautiful Armenian eyes. They are not uh, supporting us because we are very 
I mean, good people. No, they are supporting the Armenian state or really ready to support because of the Armenian's importance in the geopolitical competition over the South Coast. And this is a place for an Armenian uh, elite to maneuver. This is a place how you can put your own national interests in line with the interest of Russia and Iran in the region. So, I mean, the approach shouldn't be a pro-Western or pro-Russian. It should be highly concentrated on the Armenian uh, issues and Armenian national interests. And I don't know, fortunately or uh, unfortunately, the Armenian national interests are in line with the interests of Iran and Russia currently in the region. So this is very, very clear for anybody who really digs into the history, geopolitics and geopolitical geography of the region. Otherwise, you are just a person who read an article on a, on, I don't know, on a, on a, on a website somewhere in, in New York or London, and you are judging about real things, about the fate of the people and the fate of a nation by some propaganda booklets or propaganda materials, which are written for a special force with the special aim and not in favor of Armenian governments, definitely. Barujan, you mentioned Sunik uh, a little while ago, and I think it's yeah. important to highlight that, you know, these border skirmishes and then the incursions by Azerbaijan have shifted our focus. Uh, but uh, last week we also had uh, sort of advances by Azerbaijan in Armenia proper, uh, yeah. or you know, news about that, that. I don't know if it happened exactly last week, uh, specifically the community of Nerkin Hand in uh, yeah. Sunik. And it was the community leaders that complained about Azerbaijani armed forces moving about basically half a kilometer deep into Armenia. Uh, and when asked about this, Defense Minister Papikian, uh, who was in Sunik, dismissed the claims and said that, you know, Azerbaijani servicemen had simply returned to their previous positions that they had controlled, but recently had to leave temporarily due to harsh weather. I think this is all sort of, you know, Armenian territory, right? I mean, uh, but, but, but I guess, you know, for this government, is being an occupied territory is a normal state of affairs? I'm not, I'm not sure what to think. Uh, what 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 are the reasons for Papikian's visit and and I guess there was also yeah. news about uh, the death of two two Armenian servicemen that happened yeah but I'm not, I I don't know if this is related I think there was it was attributed to uh, suicide yeah your your reaction um, the, the, we should start again with the uh, with the reason why Azerbaijan are doing these skirmishes and why they are taking the new positions actually uh, this is what what I already mentioned uh, to take any uh, any hill any road any Structure which is critical for advancing into the territory, which is Armenia, but which is uh, currently not being kept by the Armenian side, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So, uh, as in, in the other imagination, in the Turkish imagination, Sunik is not an army. Actually, there is no army. Uh, and um, uh, for, for in their imagination. Sad and true. this is. Yeah, and this is on not on the level of just the rhetoric, but this is a level of uh, of uh, political thinking. And I just would like to share with you um, uh, the the uh, the column by the uh, former um, chief of staff of Turkey, uh, Ilker Bashbu, uh, which I found recently uh, writing a, a paper on on corridors and the, the, the war, um, I, I found his uh, uh, op-ed in one of the Turkish opposition newspapers, Cumhuriyet, and it was really very, very, very interesting. 
fantastic in the sense of showing the political uh, thinking. Iker Bashbuk was the chief of staff, he is a famous general in Turkey, though he is currently in opposition, but still his, all his uh, editorial was in favor of the government because government made really important decisions supporting Azerbaijan in the war and um, having this Zangezur corridor uh, on the table. And in, 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 in this column, he said that while he was the chief of staff and many times he visited Azerbaijan, he, he, he remembers that he was uh, speaking with Azeri brothers saying that, um, you know, um, the day should come and we'll connect uh, our uh, countries with the main uh, land border. Uh, and we should take this uh, opportunity and hopefully the day will come because this is the idea of uh, Kemal Ataturk and all the um, his successors and someday I hope it will come. And then he says that now, finally, I see that this is being realized and what can be more uh, I mean, uh, what can make me more happier than having uh, seen this uh, um, in, uh, this dream come true? And he is in opposition again. Yeah. Uh, so this is the level of understanding of Turkey and Azerbaijan. Tunic uh, should be taken out uh, from Armenia because it's an historical uh, <laughs> Turkish. Uh, so-called Turkish land, and it should be it should connect Azerbaijan to brother countries. It should connect them by mainland um, uh, territory. So this is the on the level of political thinking. Is this a recent article? It is. It was written in December 2020. I just just uh, I mean found it, uh, and I'm gonna I mean translate it and publish on my blog to make I mean people again see that this is not about Erdogan as many currently describes the what happens currently in, in by Turkey saying that Erdogan is a crazy guy that's why he's trying to take all the lands but when he will go and someday he will definitely go uh will will have another op I mean opportunity for peace coexistence and many other things by the way recently I, I met a I met one European, I mean, high official uh, official here, uh, and we were like discussing the the situation um, in the South Caucasus in general. And uh, I said that this is not about I mean Erdogan. This is uh, about the political thinking in Turkey and polit Turkey's um, critical uh, interests, etc. And uh, this uh, this official said that you know. One thing we know for sure, what you say, this is not for sure, but one thing we know for sure that this is currently being done by Erdogan and Erdogan is going to die one day. So we know this and we should keep only this in mind, not concentrating on other things, which is not a political thinking, but rather a very <laughs> propaganda thought. So um, coming back to, to Sunik, uh, again, uh, Azerbaijan is trying to, to make, uh, to use every opportunity to take the important hills and infrastructure, which opens opportun opportunity not only to make uh, additional pressure on, on Armenia during the negotiations, on the corridors, on the roads, on Artsakh or any other thing, but also it is preparing a ground for possible military attack on Sunik and to cut Sunik fully from the Republic of Ar the rest part of the Republic of Armenia, which is not uh, really uh, from the, you know, uh, from in real uh, uh, or from virtual reality. This is a, really a plan of Turkey and Azerbaijan. Mm -hmm. And if we, see, if we see the military 
uh, drills with we see the the uh, transportation of military in the region, uh, we can surely say that there are at least plans in case Azerbaijan is not fulfilled with the Armenian approach, Turkey is not fulfilled with the, with the Armenian approach, and in case they see an opportunity, they're definitely going to cut Sumik, especially from this part of um, uh, uh, Ishkhanasar and Sevlich, which is the narrow right. part of Sumik and actually the beginning of Sumik. So, um, here um, we should remember one thing, one more thing. It is the Iran, I Iran's role. And just yesterday, uh, the, the information came from Iranian uh, side, from, from the Telegram channels affiliated with the Iranian government and the Iranian army. Uh, that again, we just remind Azerbaijan that any changes of the international international recognized territory of Armenia is gonna uh, get an answer from the Iranian side. And if we remember also the military drills from September 2021, mm -hmm. which was clearly a sign that uh, Iran is ready to act in case Azerbaijan or Turkey are going to violate Sunni, are again uh, the proof that the military attack on Sunni is not uh, just, I mean, crazy idea, but it's a very real thing. And the second major geopolitical force in the region, Iran, is be, currently is being prepared for this possible um, option. This was by the Revolutionary Guard, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Affiliate, Telegram channel affiliated with the Revolutionary Guard. Okay. So this we have for sure. So why what uh, what Azerbaijani side did? It was just to taking a new hill when they see see uh, an opportunity from the Armenian government side again. Uh, this is being not, um, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm sure that they were aware of what is going to be uh, done there, because for, for them, this is another way to make the, the future delimitation and demarcation process very easy, because currently what we see on the, 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 along all the front line, it is that Azerbaijani side is taking the positions which are, according to them, parts of this new delimitation and demarcation process. So these are the, the, the new borders between Armenia and Azerbaijan. And uh, if Azerbaijani side is already in control of these territories, then the future process of demarcation and delimitation is, gonna, is not going to be a painful process. Because what they right. took, they already took. Okay, So okay. this is a way to communicate this delimitation and demarcation in this way. Because um, nobody is gonna like make really huge protest uh, if you are handing like once in two months uh, a land, uh, a small village, or something like that, or a, or a road. But if you are doing this, I mean, uh, in a package, then definitely you're gonna have problems. At least you are gonna have much more serious problems than if you give just in two months like one plane or something like that. So uh, Armenia's government reaction is not surprising again for me. And uh, if you have noticed again, as in many other cases, when there was a noise on this information noise in the uh, in the Armenian uh, world about the fact that Azerbaijan is again violated uh, and took the Armenian territory. Uh, first of all, there were there was no reaction by the government side. Then there was an um, really um, uh, not strict, no definitive uh, 
reaction to this with the announcements mm -hmm. and then they when the grievance of of nation <laughs> already passed they said that you know this is a territory which was already controlled by them so they're not saying that the control by azerbaijan is is not a bad uh, thing they are not saying this uh, is is not is, isn't a bad thing but really they're rather saying that you know this is a normal thing because they already took it was winter it was impossible for them to stay they went back and came back again but um, nobody is asking okay if they went out why didn't you take why didn't you take it that's yeah. right if if you are saying that this is an armenian territory so this is uh, the approach of the armenian government it, again this uh, i mean refers to what we already discussed mm -hmm. uh, in the first uh, section when we said that there is no will and there is no understanding of the importance of this by the Armenian government and the last thing is that Suren Papikyan's visit is just and uh, our propaganda visit to to say that we are there, we are in control of the situation, and no worries because I'm I'm there and I I know what happened. Yeah, that's what I was actually going to ask you. The other reason for Babikian's visit was the death of two servicemen in non-combat situations, one of them possibly involving a quote-unquote externally forced suicide situation. What does this tell you about the condition of our servicemen? I can't really, I mean, um, as, uh, in so, some way assess uh, the moral situation because I'm not a specialist on this and I'm a bit very, very far from, from the, the current situation of, of the army. But I can judge based on, the, again, the rhetoric which is being uh, constructed um, on the level of, you know, industrial level in mm -hmm. Armenia by the current government, which is that we are weak, we have no potential of fighting, we shouldn't think about war. Uh, uh, the Prime Minister's words from the last year, everybody remembers when he said that, uh, what you want from me? You want me to start a war for 30% of the save leech, or uh, you want me to start a war for for this inhabited, um, no, not inhabited uh, hill uh, somewhere in Gerakunik, you want me that? We are not going to use this territory, so just like, leave it to Azerbaijanis. This is not a reason for for war. So this rhetoric, which was being pronounced by uh, by Prime Minister, is currently being circulated on different levels uh, with the, uh, with the, with different tools, uh, trying to show that. Uh, there are no, I mean... Uh, that's the mental state of the government. That's the mental state of the government. And actually, this is being already uh, imposed on the population, which was actually, uh, again, uh, having all the surveys uh, uh, and all the other vulgar sociology stuff. We can say that, uh, uh, unfortunately, the Armenian population sees a threat from Turkey and, and, and Azerbaijan. And this is a very real thing. So um, there is a hope still that, uh, the population will stand against this type, kind of approach and this kind of policies. All right. Since March 8, Artsakh has been without natural gas, as we know. Mm -hmm. We talked about this last week and the problem remains. Fortunately, after the previous week's terrible snowstorm and freezing weather, the weather has warmed up a little bit, but in Artsakh the weather is always a real factor because of the mountainous terrain. On Tuesday, Artsakh and also Freedom House stated that there's a real humanitarian crisis brewing here and the situation and living conditions are deteriorating. The EU expressed concern about the continuing disruption and made a meaningless statement calling on, quote-unquote, the authorities in control to resume gas service. 
I guess the EU doesn't know who interrupted the gas to Artsakh's population. Mm -hmm. Russia called for the immediate resumption of the gas service, but the statement asked, quote-unquote, Armenia and Azerbaijan to resolve the issue of the gas supply. So that's where we stand today. This would have been our top issue today because it is stopping not only heating of people's homes in current freezing temperatures, but also businesses, bakeries, and the food supply. And even hospitals and uh, emergency services. Yeah, this is a, a major uh, situation that is brewing over there. Artsakh President Arai Karutunyan on Thursday claimed to have authorized Vitali Balasanyan to negotiate with Azerbaijan to restart the gas service. Hovi contacted Vitali Balasanyan's team and they have rejected this claim, after which the statement on the Artsakh's Unified Info Center site was altered to omit the issue. Um, why was Balasanyan's name thrown in the fray, especially since it apparently was later corrected and removed? I don't, I don't really uh, I mean, I know the reason behind, but I can I make an assumption that this is uh, because of there are some, <laughs> which is very surprising and bad, but there is still some local politics in Artsakh uh, in this situation. And this is uh, connected with this balance of power between different sides in the, uh, in the Artsakh uh, political landscape, a very narrow landscape, but still it exists. And um, you know that there are still people of um, Samuel Babayan who is um, currently the, one of the allies of the uh, Nikol Pashinyan's government and his people is still there in Artsakh's parliament, uh, which creates some, uh, you know, I mean, difficulties for the unification of Artsakh's elite against Azerbaijani threats because these people are acting along with the decisions of uh, Samuel Babayan and Samuel Babayan, uh, uh, I mean, uh, he is fully in support of Nikol Pashinyan's approach that we can even see uh, Artsakh as a part of uh, as a part of uh, Azerbaijan. I can connect to this. But uh, um, when we're talking about negotiating with Azerbaijan, what is there to negotiate? I've, I've actually heard that Azerbaijan has repeatedly said that gas deliveries to Stepanagerd are within the purview of Azergaz, which is you know a subsidiary of Sokar, yeah. and that Stepanagerd authorities should apply to Baku to get their gas fixed. It's obvious that they're interested in asserting control over communications, yeah. energy. We talked a little bit about this earlier, Varujan. But um, what are the logistics involved in all this? How is this going to um, work itself out? Um, I, I think there is no long-term solution to this problem because uh, Azerbaijan is going to make every again effort to cut all this infrastructure which connects Artsakh to Republic of Armenia. And instead of that, uh, I mean, put Artsakh into the Azerbaijani infrastructural mm -hmm. uh, context, because it is the part of, in their understanding of the integration uh, of Artsakh back into their territory. So is, is there any possibility of rerouting the pipelines to Armenian-controlled territory? And you were telling us earlier that electricity will come to the same situation, cell phones will come to the same situations, all of these things. Yeah. It doesn't even make yeah. sense at this point with the geography to do any of these things. I think that no, no there is no, no long-term no long solution other than uh, taking uh, back control of the Armenian territories mm -hmm. which are currently being occupied by Azerbaijan. Because, I mean, the, uh, the situation with, uh, with the, uh, the, what the remainder of Artsakh 
is um, very artificial. The territory which currently Artsakh occupies, in there are no you know natural front lines. There are no I mean places for any security guarantee for the Artsakh people. And I mean it is obvious that um, handling territories to Azerbaijan it was obvious will create this kind of problems and we were like mounting on this uh, from the early beginning of the population but uh, as you see that the, the this is not a huge problem for uh, the current armenian government because uh, they openly said the MPs said that you know they can live without gas uh, then they're gonna say that i mean okay no worries I mean, use the azerbaijani gas no difference you are using the same gas. i mean this is the same gas Okay, and it is much cheaper than so. This is, uh, I mean, if if there is no political will, then uh, this process will continue in that way or another. And uh, finally, the destination will be either the both the um, uh, exit of Armenian population or the majority of Armenian population from there. And uh, what will remain out of this will be integrated into the Azerbaijan with the old consequences so political uh, political solution for the Artsakh is uh, making security guarantees not on the paper but rather on the front line and this should be on the main agenda of Armenia this should be the main ag agenda of Artsakh and actually we have seen that this was the main agenda in Azerbaijan after the defeat in 1994. I, I hardly imagine any Azerbaijani uh, elite who, after the 1994 uh, defeat, would, would say that, you know, let's forget about Karabakh, let's, I mean, uh, make a peace or other stuff. It's insane to understand uh, or to imagine this kind of stuff. But what we see right now is insane from the Armenian position. Here it is important also to mention one major change in the Armenian rhetoric. Uh, we're not, uh, the Armenian side, the Armenian government is not uh, talking about self-determination anymore and the status out of the territory of Azerbaijan but rather they are mostly uh, stressing the fact that we are guaranteeing mm -hmm. the rights yeah. of Artsakh people and this is this is not a political category because the rights of Artsakh people for example could be uh, I mean fulfilled or guaranteed on the paper in the territory of Azerbaijan, granting them a cultural autonomy, or like in, in, in Turkey, uh, I mean, everybody knows in 1923 when the Lausanne Agreement was made, uh, Armenians, Jews, and Greeks were granted some basic rights uh, the right to have their, their own schools, their own um, as, uh, graves, uh, cemeteries, uh, how we call them, um, uh, cemeteries, uh, to, yeah, cemeteries. To, to, to die have, in peace. Uh, <laughs> To have a possibility to talk with their own land, yeah, to die in peace, and which which actually happened because out of the whole huge Greek Armenian population, there are only like uh, collectively yeah. one hundred thousand people left in their own homeland. So this could happen again in Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan can say, guys, no worries, we'll guarantee the rights, and actually they are saying that we'll guarantee all the rights of Armenian population in Azerbaijan saying that Karabakh is part of Azerbaijan. And when the Armenian side is putting this on their agenda as the main thing, it means that you are refusing from political agenda, but rather saying that it's a cultural or social problem and we're going to solve it with some guarantees. And Azerbaijan mm -hmm. can easily do it. 
Uh, it will not do the, the, that right now because they have a, I mean, strong position and they can say that no, guys, nothing will be. They are just the citizens of Azerbaijan mm -hmm. and that's it. Okay. But in the case of, of some pressure, they can say, no, 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 no worries. We'll guarantee the rights. We'll give them a cultural autonomy. They will have their own schools with our own curriculum, with the Azerbaijani <laughs> curriculum, and that's it. Which is changing the whole idea of the national struggle, the whole idea of the Karabakh process, which started in uh, 1920, uh, and which is actually treason against our yeah. national rights. Uh, Varujan, that statement um, about we want to safeguard the rights of Armenians and uh, we also expressing interest about the status uh, was mentioned by uh, the Armenian side uh, most recently in response to this uh, five-point proposal from Azerbaijan that we heard about. We don't, I, I don't want to make you repeat yourself. Uh, you know, and we had other guests talk about this, so I would love to, I guess, Get your formal response on this as well. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Azeri side said that it has submitted a five-point uh, proposal on a peace plan, uh, and uh, Armenia said that there is nothing in that proposal that is contrary to Armenia's sort of desires. But um, yeah. you know, with the minor modification yeah. of the status of Artsakh, uh, which you, as as you said, could be some kind of a status within Azerbaijan. And the rights of the uh, in Artsakh uh, Armenians. Can you tell us how is how is the Azeri peace plan acceptable for Armenia? Uh, what are we missing? No, I mean even the formal the formal uh, way how how Azerbaijan puts these five <coughs> points, <coughs> five, five principles maybe uh, is not an again equal conversation, but rather another another way of to cap make Armenia capitulate and um, I mean this is not being discussed this is not um, I mean all the points are not in the Armenian agenda um, um, from the formal formal uh, perspective yeah uh, that's why <clears throat> this makes uh, very difficult to say that this is a good start for peaceful coexistence or etc because um, uh, if you look at the points yeah from the formal side, uh, maybe I mean from the first glance, let's say they are not. I mean they are very good. They are in accordance with the uh, with the international uh, law and many other things. But when I when I look at these principles, uh, uh, I have an impression that uh, you know these principles <laughs> were written on another planet and being uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> being uh, put on the table here because there is no context there. And 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 but the context context is there. The, the conflict is there. That's why you can't just make I mean beautiful you know uh, points there and put them on the table saying that we are not against it. Because when you have a point on the fa on on that uh, nobody is gonna uh, make any advances in another's territory, it means that for example me as a person, if I want to go as a volunteer to fight for the rights of arts of Armenians, then my, govern, my government is gonna close the border for me uh, in Bedzor, in Lachin, not giving me an opportunity to go and fight for my country, part of my country. Uh, so, I mean, if we look at the context, then all the five points are against us. And uh, that's why, I mean, again, uh, it is, I mean, not surprising anymore for me, but again, very painful that Armenian side is saying, yeah, we are okay. Because uh, who said that the peace um, agreement with Azerbaijan 
or in with Turkey is the highest priority of Armenian government right now. Who who gave a um, uh, mandate to the Armenian government to close up all the national struggle with the military forces, with the military resistance against other aggression and many other things? Uh, Armenian uh, population never gave, gave uh, a mandate. Even with the with the last elections, never the government was saying openly that they are gonna close the page of uh, Artsakh struggle because uh, they were saying, no, we'll make every effort, we'll uh, use this term. They were using the term of remedial secession. Uh, they were using this term. They were uh, saying that we are, I mean, keeping the army strong in case we need it, we'll use it. But now when they got the election, they changed all the rhetoric and all their activities are currently uh, contrary contradicting to the national ideas and that's why i mean i can assess this uh, this uh, approach again as a part of the new capitulation uh, which uh, unfortunately most probably is going to be signed in the future if no of course national resistance against this will uh, rise uh, in armenia okay before we close, let's see if there are any topics from the panelists. Varujan, is there something you want to get off your chest? Yeah, just to say that uh, this is a critical moment in our history and everybody should take a responsibility. Everybody, I mean, in diaspora, in Armenia, take a huge responsibility uh, and uh, make some uh, action, uh, make calls to action. So, I mean, otherwise we're going to judge about the Armenia only on the history textbooks, not written in Armenia, definitely. Well, all right. We'll leave it there for today. Thank you, Varujan. Thanks a lot for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you, Varujan. Thank you for having me. Okay, that was our Week in Review show, and we hope it helped you catch up with some of the issues in and around Armenia from this past week. As always, we invite your feedback and your suggestions. You can find us on most social media and podcast platforms or our website, groom.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, like our pages, and follow us on social media. On behalf of everyone in this episode, we wish you a good week. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.